and welcome in to We the Fans here on the Kansas City Podcast Network, where you get all sorts of random crap sent your way, courtesy of KCPN. I am Joe Hunk. And you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Hunk. Obviously, make sure that you follow KCPN through every single social media account that you have, whether it is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and anywhere else. Because the very moment that we go live, you will get that notification. I am coming to you live today. From what looks to be a really good office, it's actually just a spare room inside the studio that I work at in Huntsville, Alabama. So you can hop in, get your comments in about what you thought about this past weekend uh, of college football, whether it's SEC or not. Normally on KCPN, we like to kind of uh, keep it on uh, SEC sports, but at this point in time in the year... We are kind of getting into uh, a period where all of the sports kind of intermingle and intertwine uh, with each other is, is probably the best way that I can say it. And so you can absolutely hop on and uh, and have a little bit of fun with us on uh, this Monday as we get going. And, and look, it was an interesting weekend. I actually got to go to my very first football game which is extremely awesome i am pumped about the about getting to actually go to a real football game and and it's really weird and and i was at tennessee and auburn because if you know anything about me i am both a tennessee fan and an auburn fan and so that is the reason why it was extremely fun for us to go and to, and to actually get to go down to Auburn for that football game this weekend. What was really strange for me was if you ever go to a college football game, normally there are certain streets that you can just you can't drive on on a game day because it's so packed and you're just trying to find somewhere to park. And for, for those of you that have not hopped on and are not hopped in and went to a, an actual college football game this year, it's nowhere near the same. I was able to drive around Tumor's Corner on, on Saturday night without any problem. Like there was no, there wasn't a ton of people heading to the game. Obviously you can't because you can only have like 20% of your crowd. But I was able to drive around Tumor's Corner with, without any roadblocks, any stops, any thousands and thousands of fans taking 15 minutes across the road to get to Jordan Hare. It was very strange. And the, the weirdest part, here's the strangest thing, because people say, oh, it should be extremely easy to find a parking spot. No, it's way harder to find a parking spot because I don't know where I can and cannot park. My normal spots are blocked off because they're actual businesses that are open or they normally sell their, their parking in their parking lots for you know for you to actually be able to, to park there. Well, being that nobody is paying for parking now, you're like, can I, can I park there? Can I not? What is going on? Can I do this? Can I not? 
And, and so I'm, I'm, it's a little strange for me to be able to, uh, to go in and watch these games. And, and Kayla, we appreciate you hopping in. Our girl Gat, which you need to stay on. Gat, do not go anywhere. Okay. And I'm going to explain why here in just a few seconds. Nathaniel, we appreciate you hopping in. So I end up parking in like some random church that's right beside Tumor's Corner that I never get to park in because it's always packed out and sold out and never get to. And I just got to walk around. No bit, nobody was interfering. You, it wasn't shoulder to shoulder. Matter of fact, nobody really had masks on until you actually got into the stadium. And, and it was really kind of weird to be at the stadium. Now, going to the game. This is why we. I need my uh, my girl Gat to stay on for a second. Um, I do Audible, and I and I talk to you all the time about the books and stuff that I normally am listening to and going through. Uh, I got to finish two, and I got to start one more. So so through the course of my three and a half hour drive to Auburn from Huntsville, I got through two books: the Matthew McConaughey Green Lights book. If you have not read it. Make sure you do so. It is probably the book of the year. And not just because it's Matthew McConaughey. If you do the audible version, he's talking during it. So it's really like he's just sitting there sharing stories with you for about a good seven or eight hours. And it's absolutely fantastic. But I finished that one. And then I finished this one. And this was the one that I was most excited about. I got to finish the American, uh, the Amityville Horror Book. And for me to get to finish the Amityville Horror Book, I was extremely pumped about this. Because if you've seen the movies, the Amityville Horror, it is nothing like the book itself. Okay, They take some aspects of the book into account. And and yes, there, there was these people that are... You know, move into a house and it's haunted and they have their kids. And what's so bad is it's been so long since I've seen the Amityville horror movies that I totally forgot everything that kind of really goes on during those movies. But there's at no point in time in the book where George Lutz, who is the who is the father, actually tries to attack and kill his family. That never takes place um, if you go by the book on this. And now I really need some help because I do a lot of driving at night, going to games, going, coming home from games, doing some play by play and stuff. I need some horror books. I mean, like true to life. I need some horror books and, and you got to give me some of these that are, that I, that I can really listen to only at night because Amityville horror, I would find reasons to take the back road home just so that I can continue listening to this book because it was so fantastic. And in listening to every everything that happened in Amityville, New Jersey back in the 1970s. So it is that was one of the books that I got read. And then I started listening to one about uh, the history of Major League Baseball stadiums in America and how they got started and why they are the way they are and how they are built differently in 2020 than what they were in the older days. Trent, man, how's it going? So that's what I did driving in. And for a lot of people in the state of Alabama, it is Iron Bowl week. We know it is Iron Bowl week. The moment that that Auburn beat Tennessee, it officially became Iron Bowl week. And it's just a little bit different in the state. Now, 
a lot of times this game is always going to happen during this week. There were a period of time, uh, there was a period of time where this game was played on Thanksgiving Day, which was very strange. There's been a time where this game was played on Black Friday, which was extremely strange as well. I remember my first Black Friday Iron Bowl that I went to was 2010. And <laughs> Chris says that there was a book out about Josh Hamilton. Uh, that's not so much a horror novel, and that's not so much a scary story as it is about a guy who was great, who loved doing drugs, who got back into Major League Baseball and became an MVP, and now apparently I think he just likes hanging out at the bars in Dallas. I think that's what his, his uh, life is now with Josh Hamilton. The book itself is absolutely tremendous because I want to say he was a cokehead. If I remember correctly, he loved to just take a nice little sniff every once in a while, and uh, and so if you want to if you want to read that book, uh, you absolutely can. And I have read it. As a matter of fact, that was probably uh, one of the first books I started reading back in two thousand nine when I really started getting into reading. And so I kind of transitioned from that into uh, audible books. And so I listen a lot while I'm driving, and at night I will read a little bit. But I always fall asleep reading, so I never really get to hold on to the knowledge as much as I do while I'm driving. But I remember on a Black Friday going to an Iron Bowl game, and it was uh, it was 2009, as a matter of fact. What he did like the look? Don't don't oh my god me, Gracie. He does. He loved he loved the coke from what I remember, and now apparently he loves to just bar hop down in Dallas. That's what I've been told. So. I mean, if you want to go hang out with Josh Hamilton, you absolutely can. Dude was a monster for about two or three seasons, and then it was about 2011 when the Red or when the Rangers made that final World Series run that they uh, they he kind of went downhill after that. So I think he went to the Angels and got a big payday after that. But that was really pretty much it. But yeah, he loved to just loved to just have a little fun. That was just me. The law man, Willie McCarthy, welcome in. He knows a lot about Josh Hamilton. I mean, hey, he's a, he's a Ranger fan. But it was crazy getting back into to the, the Iron Bowl because that was 2009. Was, I don't know, 2008. It was 2008 when it was on Black Friday. I remember going to the Galleria. And this before, you know, the Galleria was a place where you just go to get shot. And you go to the Galleria and normally... The entire place is just jam-packed. It's a traffic jam just trying to get off of uh, 459 just to get into the Galleria. And I was able to pull up and just go directly into the store I wanted to go to. I got a front row parking spot. And so I think they moved it off of Black Friday because way too many Alabama and Auburn fans stopped shopping on that day because they then decided that they wanted to uh, go to the Iron Bowl instead of going shopping. So it really hurt the economy in the state of Alabama. But you want to talk about two football teams that are coming into this at a in a totally different direction, okay? And, I mean, if you look at Saturday's games, like there's a lot of questions that we can ask about Alabama and Auburn. We will in a little bit. But, see, the, the way that these games, you don't know if you can really tell a lot by the week before. But this time, I really think you can. Because throughout this weekend – like, look, there are certain teams that just your football team struggles against. And I know that you know this. Like, 
if you are and 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 Gat's a, a Kansas State grad, is there a football team that historically Kansas State just always struggles with? I don't know why they do, but they do. What is that team for Kansas State? For for Auburn, majority of the time that team has been Mississippi State. They always struggle against Mississippi State. For Florida, you saw it this weekend, and it was Vanderbilt. Look, there were times in the in that Vanderbilt game for Florida where Vanderbilt actually played very, very well. Okay? And there are times where Vanderbilt could have took advantage of what Florida did. Look, Kyle Trask made one pass in that football game that if he does that on Sunday, it's a pick six. And I want to say that it was about when Vanderbilt was up 10-7. to Kyle Trash drops back, and he throws a pass. And Alan George, the, the defensive back for Vanderbilt, he, he goes up and he tries to make the catch, and he cannot hold on to the football. In the NFL, not only does the defender hold on to the football, but he also takes it the other way. Couple of plays later, Florida ends up kicking the field goal to tie it at ten apiece, and and that was pretty much it. Vanderbilt actually played Florida very well for a majority of that first half, and I really think, and I've heard other people that have that think this as well, is that Vanderbilt's just one of those teams that just plays Florida extremely difficult. Whether especially when that game is played in Nashville, and I don't know why that is. But they just play them difficult. Mississippi State always plays Alabama very difficult. And and I think that that was one of them was. You, you had a, a big play by uh, Chris Pierce Jr. for Vanderbilt. He had like a 58-yard touchdown run where he broke a couple of tackles. And, and he had a, a really big game or a really big touchdown run. That was an amazing play for them. And I think that Vanderbilt is just one of those teams that plays Florida difficult. And I mean, Kyle Trask still threw for three touchdowns, but they want to say that, that he had a bad game or he had a difficult game. You know, Missouri and South Carolina this weekend, Basilek, he had a, a great touchdown. If you did not see the touchdown reception by Dove to have go up 7-0 against South Carolina, go back and watch that. Because it was so, so good to see that play. And, and Basilak is a quarterback that you get two different QBs because he's still learning as a redshirt freshman. And you saw that with the touchdown pass to Dove. That was a great lob. He put just enough arc on it. Dove had to jump up, but he also was the only place that could only way that he could catch it. Was, was him making the reception, and that was a great play by him. You flip it around, and the interception that he threw in that football game, I want to say it was towards the end of the second quarter, he did the same type of pass, but he just underthrew the receiver, and it ended up being an interception. That was some of the things that you would see it from a redshirt freshman, that if he improves that passing then he's going to be a great quarterback. And I think that that is one in which you saw Missouri because they scored 17 points in the beginning of the game. They didn't score again in the entire second half. And so I think that that was another play by by Missouri that you could really see he's going to improve. That's all, all of our people in Kansas City on Kansas side as well as the Missouri side that is listening on KCPN. Uh, Georgia, they, they played Mississippi State, and Mississippi State played them difficult. JT Daniel, 
I think he's a he is definitely the starting quarterback for Georgia, and people will want to know why hasn't he been starting. I want to think, and you know, I don't want to say he took a shot at his coaching staff, um, but he was asked, well. How much have you actually been hurt? Because the media members actually got to talk to him after the game. And he basically said, look, the first week I was not medically cleared. Uh, the rest I have been. So that's not a question for me. So I think that that was kind of a shot at his at his coaching staff about, hey, look, why aren't you uh, playing me a little bit more? But he absolutely brought energy to Georgia in that game. Did he make some mistakes? Yes, if he was a starting quarterback for Georgia, would they have beaten Florida? No. Would they have beaten Alabama? No. So they would still be at the same spot when it comes to win-loss record, but I do think that they would be considered more than just the number 13 team in the country. I can't even remember what their their rank going into uh, the college football playoff. We'll find out what the college football playoff committee has them ranked uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, but... They're much. They're looked at a lot differently with JT Daniel as a starting quarterback than they were with Stetson Bennett. And I think that you know, I don't think that they would be one of the top four teams in the country with JT Daniels as their quarterback. But they're probably one of the top six, and they're definitely in the conversation with what Florida and Texas A and M are going to be tomorrow night. I think that a lot of people are going to have some questions when it comes to uh, what the top and who the top four teams are in the country. All right, we got some comments coming in. Let's get to those. He goes, best Iron Bowl for, for Chris said was uh, 2013. His daughter was born uh, on the morning of the miracle at Jordan-Hare, and he was holding her during the kick six. He said he hated the outcome, but, uh, but the memory of that is always going to be with him with his daughter. Look, uh, my wife's very first Iron Bowl was the kick six, and I laugh about that to this day uh, when it comes to that game because uh, we were able to buy those tickets uh, directly after uh, Auburn beat Texas A&M. Uh, when it was the that was the Johnny Manziel game when Auburn went into Texas A and M, and uh, and beat him in a humongous humongous game and that's also where Auburn found uh, figured out kind of what their offense was in 2013 and we were able to buy tickets to the Iron Bowl for two hundred dollars because at the time Auburn was still like 16, 17 in the country. And if you're not an Auburn fan or an Alabama fan, uh, just know that if you ever do want to go to an Iron Bowl, make sure that you go to it in Auburn. And I'm not saying that because I'm saying that the Jordan-Hare Stadium is better than Bryant-Denny. The tickets are cheaper. They just are. And and Bryant-Denny, if you even want to step foot into the stadium for a normal Iron Bowl, I'm not even talking about like the Iron Bowl that you're going to see uh, this season where it's going to be only 20% of the crowd is going to be allowed in. Just to get into Bryant-Denny, you're having to spend $1,000 and you're sitting in the nosebleeds and it's a god-awful view. And you got to bring your binoculars just to see the game and it's not even really worth being in the stadium. And Jordan-Hare, you can probably get in for a little bit less than $400, $500 just in the upper deck. Now, if you're wanting a good seat, you want to be down towards the field, that's when you're going to start getting into your $1,000, $1,500 range. But going to the Iron Bowl is is historically a lot cheaper in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, so you definitely want to do it that way. Now, you know, 
coming up tomorrow night, and that is going to be obviously before the Iron Bowl. Chris says that he thinks that the top four is going to be Bama number one, Notre Dame number two, Ohio State number three, Clemson number four. Uh, I don't really care. I can't really see any argument in that, and we obviously know that this is going to change a lot in the coming weeks. But I absolutely can see Florida and Texas A&M being your number five and your number six. And I think that is what is going to play into the college football playoff the closer and closer we get. With the way that Texas A&M is continuing to play uh, right now, matter of fact, I just got the notification a moment ago and uh, got asked if I want to go to Texas A&M and Auburn. Uh, We don't know what the games are going to be like on December 5th, mainly because we don't know if – Auburn's going to be playing Texas A&M if Alabama is going to be playing Mississippi State or are those because we really think that most likely that's going to be that kind of a makeup week. Uh now the SEC has announced that they are going to hold off on what days uh or they're going to do their 6 game rule or 6 day rule uh with the time releases for the December 5th. And I think that has to do with a lot that the SEC is going to try to maneuver some games around so that December 5th and December 12th, we're getting a lot more uh, division on division games that we are going to see based on the games that have been canceled. Florida had a couple games postponed earlier in the year. We'll see if those games get made up. We, you have obviously Alabama LSU that I think that a lot of people are going to be looking to see when those games are going to be made up and look you know it, it's been a while like you go back to to Missouri and South Carolina I felt like it's been almost a month since we've seen Missouri play because of some games that have been postponed uh, with them and South Carolina I thought would play a lot better in that game uh, being the fact that they're coming off the day where they fired Muschamp and in the week that they fired Muschamp and a lot of times your team plays better but they really didn't in that football game so you know that is that's why you're you're going to see a lot of things and you just kind of have to be on your toes uh, for that. And Chris has made him upset this week that Coastal Carolina dropped one spot after beating App State. And, and how about BYU saying no to playing Washington? And look, that's that's also where this college football playoff committee and, and BYU have got to make some decisions. And look, I'm not telling you that you have to go against your faith. And I think that with BYU, that is part of what the problem is, is that their faith is kind of playing into this when it comes to how many people and who they're going to play. And they say no to Washington. They say they BYU will say, hey, look, they even tweeted this out. Anytime, any place, we'll play anybody. And people are replying with, no, you won't. Because you want it to be on your terms. And I think that BYU right now is under, is not understanding that in this day and age, nobody cares about who BYU is. Nobody cares about what BYU stands for when it comes to your beliefs in the college football playoffs. Because if you want to be the Notre Dame, if you want to be that of the West Coast and the Midwest, You've got to change your mentality. And Notre Dame saw this by getting into the ACC this year and playing. Do I think they're going to stay in the the ACC? God, no. Heck no. Because they want to stick as an independent. They want to be able to schedule the Power Fives that they do. But 
They have that ability as a team that's played in the national championship in the last decade and a team that has played in the college football playoff and a team that has made the New Year's Six multiple times. They have more clout to to make those decisions and they have the ability to go out and schedule a Power 5 team because in reality, Power 5 teams a lot of times will benefit from playing Notre Dame and being able to play them and it helps their strength of schedule. Playing BYU in normal seasons are not is not going to benefit your strength of schedule. And right now, Washington wants that game because Washington wants to be able to beat an undefeated football team and wants to beat and not BYU out. And it gives them more clout when it comes to making their reasoning for why they should be making it into most likely it will probably be the Orange Bowl will be the representative where the where the Pac-12 is going to go because that's where they go on years that the Rose Bowl is going to be hosting the college football playoff semifinal. And they want to be able to go down in that game. And Chris Peterson is going to throw that invitation. Actually, no, Chris Peterson resigned. God, I totally forgot that he resigned. It was his offensive coordinator that took over. And But Washington is going to be a football team that's like, hey, look, we'll play you. We've, we've played in, in these marquee games. We're totally up for this. And, and so I, I feel like if BYU wants to do this, they kind of have to take that mentality that, that Boise State had during the 2000s when they were a juggernaut group of five football team. The only difference is BYU isn't considered a group of five in the college football playoff. It, they are considered a power five. So they're not even up for that. New Year's Six Group of Five bowl bid. That will be going to your Cincinnati, your Coastal Carolina, uh, your teams like that that are going to make your Cincinnati. That's where that Group of Five is going to go to. So BYU's got to get another at-large bid, and that is why they are probably hoping that two SEC teams go in so that they could potentially go to, say, the Sugar Bowl and and play the Big 12 representative if the Big 12 isn't going to make it into the college football playoff. And I think that's the reason why you see BYU like, hey, we'll play you kind of. We would really like that, that New Year's Six payout that we're going to want because we've never really gotten that. But as an independent, you know, we can schedule our own. And if it fits us, then we'll absolutely play. No, no, you won't. You, you, if you would, you would go play Washington. And, and so don't say you'll play because then somebody's going to find a reason why either to say, hey, look, man, there's the field, there's the time, there's the date, let's go. And that's what's going to happen in the SEC is LSU was like, sorry, man, we've got COVID tests that are saying we can't play. But wait, hold up. We can reschedule this for later in December. Yeah, but only things available is December 19th, and you're most likely going to be in the SEC championship Alabama. And, and sorry, we just can't do that. No, wait, hold up. This year we can rearrange some things and we want to make sure that division opponents play each other instead of some crossover games. So we'll see if that's going to be taking place, which I think that's part of the reason why Iron Bowl week is really weird. And look, in the SEC this week, it's really Iron Bowl and nothing else. And I think that's part of the problem that, or I want to say that's part of the reason why this does sound so weird and feel so weird 
for a lot of these college football teams and fans when it comes to getting ready for Iron Bowl week because coming up this weekend, you don't have any other bowl or any other big matchups for the SEC because Georgia's playing South Carolina. They're they're not playing Georgia Tech this year, so that rivalry's out. South Carolina's obviously not playing Clemson, which they're probably thankful for that. Clemson hasn't played in like six weeks for the ACC. Trevor, I say six weeks. Trevor Lawrence hasn't played in what feels like it's going to be six weeks uh, for the SEC. So you don't have the marquee matchups. Like the Iron Bowl is the matchup this time. I think what also plays into it, if you are an Auburn fan, have you seen the spread? What's it at right now? 23, 24 and a half is about where it's at right now. If Auburn doesn't have Tanks Bigsby, they're in even bigger trouble. And he is a question mark coming up on, on Saturday because he played in a, played a couple of snaps on, uh, on Saturday night against Tennessee. Went to the sidelines. You saw a lot of DJ Williams and Sean Shivers. And Tank tried to come back in one time and didn't work out. He went back to the sidelines. I watched him throw his helmet onto the ground because in frustration and sit down. And trainers came back over there and talked to him. And he was not, uh, he wasn't in a good place. So that to me is, is a bad sign for Auburn. And don't get me wrong. I don't know how many Auburn fans we actually have watching this, but Auburn should not have won that football game Saturday night. They won that football game because of two plays. The pick six by Smoke Monday, which for everybody in Kansas City and across the nation that are just hopping in and learning of his name, Smoke Monday is a beast. He is... For, for people that are just hopping in. Smoke Monday was the safety for Auburn that got the targeting penalty at the very beginning of the Georgia game that a lot of people think totally changed the outcome of that football game because of how big of a difference maker Smoke Monday is. You see that now with the 100-yard interception that he made Saturday night against Tennessee. That was the big play. The other big play was the blown coverage for Tennessee that allowed the Anthony Swartz touchdown. That is a 21-point swing in those two plays alone because, at the least, it's a 17-point swing because Tennessee was at least going to get a field goal on that play, if not a touchdown. And then you have the touchdown by Anthony Swartz. So that's 21 points. Tennessee outgained Auburn. They did better than them. They're just as good as them on third down. They had, they did better than them on fourth down, which was really just one play that, that Tennessee got a fourth down. They outrushed Auburn like crazy. Look, Tennessee was getting seven and eight yards a carry in that ball game, just running the football and rushing the ball right up the middle. D, Auburn's defense was god awful, and Tennessee. Went away from that. Why? I have no clue. You should have fed Eric Gray until Eric Gray could not run anymore. And Tennessee did not do that. And that's the reason why they lost that football game because they totally could have won it. Tennessee is a football team. They keep it close in the first qu- in the first half and then implode 
in the second half. That's what Tennessee has done every single game this football season. Look at the Georgia game. They were up. Look at the second half. Look at the Arkansas game. They were tied. Arkansas blows them out in the second half. Look at what happened in the second half against Auburn. They go into half tied, and that's the exact same thing that happens. Tennessee blew that game against Auburn. Speaking of Arkansas, that was a, that was a targeting penalty, okay? That was a targeting penalty in the LSU game. Yes, it's 100% what it should be called. People are upset about it, said that it should not have been a targeting call. Yes, it should have. Based on the law of the SEC, when it comes to targeting, yes, that was a targeting penalty. In fact, I've got the rule pulled up just in case somebody on the chat was going, was wanting to ask about this, and you have targeting. Now, the official rule of targeting is targeting means that the player takes aim, and I'm totally 100% reading this from the SEC website, takes aim at an opponent for purposes of attacking with forcible contact that goes beyond making a legal tackle or legal block or playing the ball. All right, you have a couple of ways that targeting is called. First one is the obvious one, leading with the crown of the helmet and launching. Those are the two, man. You see those hits from back in the 60s and 70s that make you just go, oh, ah. Yeah, you can't do that now. The other one, this is the one that plays into the reason why it was a targeting penalty for Arkansas. Making forcible contact to the head or neck area of a defenseless player. In the second one, a crouched, followed by an upward, that's the thrusting one, but leading with helmet, shoulder, or forearm, fist, hand, or elbow to attack with forcible contact at the head or neck area. That is the one that got Arkansas. Anna, we appreciate you hopping in. Stan, we appreciate you hopping in as well. So that's the reason why that was a targeting play, okay? Big hits like that are the reason why you see a lot of players now leading with that shoulder. Doug, we appreciate you hopping in. That's why you see that leading with the shoulder thing. I actually applaud, I think it was the NFL game. It was the Packers and Colts game last night. Packer player comes up, goes to try to pop Phillip Rivers, which is a person I hate, by the way, launch tries to hit Phillip Rivers, but sees Rivers Rivers let go of it and he hits it and holds his arms back and then goes like basically like this. Rivers falls back, but the referee doesn't throw the flag because he saw the player let up once he hit once he tried to do it. That was a great job by that referee in that football game yesterday to not do that and to not call that penalty. In the in the SEC, it's the exact same way. Because you cannot launch or you cannot go at a player with that shoulder to his head or neck area when he's trying to catch the football. That is going to be a targeting every single time. And I know it pissed off a ton of, of, of Arkansas fans, but that was a penalty. I, I don't know if it cost you the football game. I know that LSU scored on that drive. And I know that it led to LSU taking the lead when it was 24-20. to 20. That doesn't mean that Felipe Franks did what didn't have the ability to try to come back. So I understand the anger, but that was a targeting. You look at, at, at Alabama and Auburn this weekend, which is going to be the marquee game in the SEC and potentially the entire college football nation this year or this weekend. 
Megan, how's it going? That game, sadly, and I'm saying this on Monday, by halftime, majority of Auburn fans are going to be checked out. They just are, okay? You cannot beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa unless you do some things very, very well. Auburn this season is not as good as they have been in the past when it comes to running the football. They just aren't. They struggle with it. They've been struggling with it this season. And yes, they are they're the fifth team in the SEC, number five in the SEC in rushing, but that is because Tank Bigsby has taken over this offense, plus you see Bo Nix scrambling a lot more. That major factor of Tank Bigsby not being in this game, if he's not, Malzahn has kind of hinted at it. In fact, you can go back to his press conference last night, and he commented on the fact that Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby may not be good to go for the for the Iron Bowl. And I think that is the reason why you are going to see him kind of I want to say the not say the offense is going to change a little bit, but it is one that I just think that Auburn is going to struggle offensively. And this Alabama team has gotten so much better defensively. They have, and this is what's crazy, they have the number one scoring offense in the SEC. This team that struggled to stop the passing game in the first few weeks of the season has just stepped up and has been able to start playing so much better. And you can look at it. When it maybe it's because of Malachi Moore, maybe it's because of how Patrick Sertain has taken over and being this leader in the secondary that Alabama really didn't have in the very beginning. Maybe it's stuff like that that is causing them to play better. But this Alabama team, they are becoming. I don't want to say the 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 best defense in the SEC because they arguably already are, but they are starting to grow at the right time. Alabama at one point in time in this season was like 10th, 11th in the SEC in pass defense. They're now number three. Auburn's actually number two. Alabama is about to go up against the second-best pass defense in the SEC. So what do you do if you're Auburn? Like right now, if you're listening, okay, let's let's play a little game, okay? I know, I, I know we got a, a bunch of people on Facebook. I know we have some people on, on Twitter watching right now. If you were to plan, to game plan, how to beat Alabama on Saturday outside of Knocking Mac Jones out, knocking Najee Harris out, knocking Devontae Smith out. Outside of those three, because that's just cheating, okay? Let's just go about it with a regular strategy. If you want to beat Alabama, whether you're Florida, whether you're Georgia, whether you're you're Auburn or Kentucky, how do you do it? All right, the biggest thing that you normally do historically to beat Alabama 
is you've got to have a good running attack. Auburn's is all right. Without Tank Bigsby, it's nowhere close to the same. Okay, That's going to be the big factor is if Tank Bigsby is going to be healthy here in the next coming weeks and the next coming week. All right. The other factor that you got to have is you have to have an amazing defense. Auburn had that last year. They had a tremendous pass rush last year. Remember, that was when you had Derrick Brown. That is when you had uh, Marlon Davidson and those players getting sacks. This year, your best sacker is Wooten and Kobe Wooten. Zacoby McLean has two sacks, but that's it. Auburn, so far, this season is tied for fourth in the SEC in sacks. You would think that's great. 16 sacks this season. You think that's really good. Georgia has 20 sacks. They got lit up by Auburn. Remember, Georgia has one of the best defensive fronts in the SEC. Florida, which is going to be the key. In the SEC championship, they lead the SEC in sacks. In fact, I think Florida may actually lead the nation in sacks with 21. Nope, totally wrong on that. That's Pittsburgh with 40. Never mind. Let's back that up. Let's back it up just a little bit. They do not lead the nation, but they do lead the SEC with 21 sacks. Okay, you've got to have a great pass rush. Auburn has an okay one, not the best in the SEC. Can they get pressure on Mac Jones? This is not the same Mac Jones that we saw last season in the Iron Bowl. It just isn't. So how good is Matt Jones going to be this season when it's going to count for him and they're going to make sure that they have to do what they can to get that pressure? That's the other big factor in this. What the other factor is, is actually being able to score on this defense. Is Anthony Schwartz going to be enough to to open up Seth Williams? By the way, okay, nobody is talking about Eli Stove enough. This guy has yet to drop a pass this season. He hasn't dropped one. Has there been some misthrows when it's went around his catching area? Yeah, absolutely. He leads the, the SEC in catching rate. And he has yet to drop a pass so far this entire season. Go back and watch the Tennessee game and watch some of the catches that he made. Matter of fact, those were some of the best plays. You take out the Seth Williams non-catch in the end zone, which was a tremendously athletic play. Eli Stove has low-key become one of Auburn's best receivers so far. Is he, Seth Williams, and Anthony Schwartz going to be enough to beat this Alabama secondary? That's where your question is going to come up. This is what you're going to be paying attention to all week. Inside the SEC, it is this game. It is the Iron Bowl. That is going to be the game. I don't know. What do you feel about it? How do you feel about Alabama hosting Auburn this weekend? I know we've got to get through Thanksgiving. By the way, how many people are you having over for Thanksgiving? Okay, Like, I really do want to know, how many people are you having over for Thanksgiving? We just did a Friendsgiving last night, and we had 45 people there, okay? Now, I know we live in a red state. I know that we just want to say, screw you, coronavirus. I know that we want to just act like this isn't taking place. But how many people are coming over to your your Thanksgiving party? 
on Thursday or Wednesday night or this weekend, wherever it is. We had 45. I think the family Thanksgiving coming up on Thanksgiving Day is going to be like 25, something along those lines. Like, I don't think anybody is going to pay attention to the guidelines because, look, I barely like some of my family as it is. Okay, going to a house, eating some delicious dressing or stuffing, if whatever you want to call it, eating that, destroying some rolls. Depends on if the family can cook some great turkey or not. Last night, Johnny, bro, turkey was amazing, okay? That was delicious. If you have some good turkey, okay. But how many people are coming over to your Thanksgiving party on Thursday? Because I'm only going to go for the food and hanging out, okay? Now, most Black Friday specials are already going, if you are somebody like myself and you do a video game stream, which we do one here, River Region Wrestling. Uh, if you are somebody like all your Black Friday specials are going, if you're trying to get a PS5, I think they're dropping those on Wednesday night again. Caleb, we appreciate it. Gail, we appreciate it. Give us a like. Give us a follow, man. Share it. We appreciate all of you hopping on. But... I don't want to do a Zoom call with you. I don't. I barely pay attention to the Zoom calls that I have to do now. I'm going to do a Zoom call tomorrow. You think I'm paying attention? No. I can look directly at the camera, but I don't know if you know this and you can't really see it, but I have my computer set up and I can look up some facts and some numbers and all that sort of stuff when we're having the conversations. I will look directly into the camera or right below it and I'll just be looking at whatever I need to. Oh, I'm going to be shopping. Yeah, I absolutely am paying attention to what you're saying. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Numbers looking good. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm not. And I feel sorry for bosses because with the Zoom call, man, we've got to pay attention. And we don't want to. So I'm not doing a Zoom call for Thanksgiving unless you're overseas. I got family members that are in the military that are overseas, they will Zoom call us in so that they can be a part of it. That's totally different. But if you live three blocks away from me, I'm not Zooming your tail. I'm coming over. Where's the dressing? Let's go. Where's the turkey? Let's go. Where's the pecan pie? Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Whatever you want to call it. Let's go. I'm not Zooming. By the way, I don't know if you can tell I'm really hungry right now. So we're going to wrap this up today. I appreciate everybody hopping in here on KCPN. Make sure that you follow us on all social media, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Zoom, wherever. Okay. And you can get in and enjoy all the fantastic KCPN programming that our girl Gat is putting together. Remember, River Region Wrestling will be back the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. After the Chiefs win the second in a row, we will be going back with River Region Wrestling. If you missed any River Region Wrestling, go back, watch it, get caught up. Because when we come back in February, it is going to be lit. All right? 
We will talk to you next Monday after the Iron Bowl, getting ready for whatever on earth is going to happen with these football games coming up on December 5th because we have no clue. But we know the Iron Bowl is on Saturday, 2.30 kick, CBS. I will leave you with this on Thursday. I don't know what gods you pray to. I don't know to what stars you look at, what moon is circling your atmosphere. You kind of get where I'm going. But pray for the state of Alabama. Not because this state is going to go at each other's necks during the Iron Bowl. Pray that we have an Iron Bowl. Because if there's a COVID outbreak on Alabama's team or Auburn's team and this game gets postponed, this state may go into an actual war with itself. Pray. That game takes place. Even if Auburn gets killed by 45 points, pray that that game happens. I will see you next Monday around noon right here on the Kansas City Podcast Network. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. 911, what's your emergency? Una camioneta, camioneta que se cruzan las vías, y el tren... Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí, yo pensé que quería cruzar, ellos iban rápido, creo, y después... ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netza.